Welcome to the Fathom Academy podcast, the podcast designed for the people of Fathom Church to be resourced to go deeper with God. I'm Kyle Knight, the youth and digital minister here at Fathom. Thank you for listening in. Um, we've got another our same special guest as we had last episode, Ryan Tafalowski here with us. Hello, Ryan. Hey, guys. <laughs> and Chris Martin with us again. That's right. There you go. Mm. Yeah, that's right. He's he's here again. Um but this this week, uh, this episode, we just we wanted to talk about college and really how to stay Christian in college. Um, Chris, I know you wanted you wanted to to record a podcast about this. Um, so, I mean, take it away. Where, yeah, let where me do you let me to- let me tee up the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so at, at Fathom, the last number of weeks, we've had kind of the onslaught of college students coming back from uh, summer and more seeing more college students than we've ever seen before. I don't know what uh, is the common denominator there, but it's just, we've, we've seen a lot of college students and it's gotten me thinking and reflecting back on my college days. And so Ryan and I were roommates in college at Colorado Christian university. Uh, Kyle, you went to CU Boulder, uh, the Mecca of secularism in our area. Uh, So a a public, you know, a secular university, Mm -hmm. we came from kind of a smaller private Christian university, but one of the things that uh, that I want to just engage in is the topic of of how to essentially stay Christian in college, um, whether you're going to a public school or to a Christian school, a private school, a big school or a small school. I, you know, I, I I think it's very safe to say that college, that age, eighteen to twenty one to twenty two, that range, tends to be a place where. Uh, a lot of Christian students begin to question, begin to, uh, you know, some of the languages make their faith their own, mm-hmm. question the faith that their parents raised them in, those, those sorts of things. And uh, it's a very hot topic to talk about kind of deconstruction right now, deconstructing our faith. Um, and you're now even hearing lots of stories of after those deconstructions, having young people and even older people starting to have deconversion stories. Um, and I can speak from experience of, of doing a bit of deconstruction in college, but, but I've also walked with a bunch of friends who deconstructed their faith and never reconstructed it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Ryan, you and I went through a, a private Christian education and came out on the other side, Christians, you know, uh, that cannot be said for a lot of our compadres uh, at CCU. And, and, and Kyle, you went as a Christian to a public school, uh, really kind of as secular as they come in our area, and you somehow maintained your faith through that. So I'd just like to have that conversation uh, that might be helpful for our college students who might mm-hmm. listen. It might be helpful for parents of teenagers who might have college students. It might even just be helpful for those who might listen, who were Christians in their teen years, went off to college and kind of strayed or wandered or deconstructed and are maybe now starting to reinvestigate faith for them to look back and maybe deconstruct their deconstruction a little mm-hmm. bit. So mm-hmm. I don't know, I, that, that's, that's the premise, the launching point. Uh, maybe Ryan, I'll pass the ball to you and, 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 and you can speak to either your experience or your initial thoughts and we'll just kind of pass it around a little bit. Sure. And I, I'm really curious to hear your experiences, Kyle, too, mm-hmm. because I wonder, I, I didn't go to a public university, um, but I almost wonder if this is more of a challenge for, for folks who come through Christian schools rather than not. 
Um, so I'll be curious to hear your story. Uh, partially, the reason I say that is your faith doesn't have to be very durable when you go to a Christian college. In, so, in a certain sense, it's in the air, right? So it's much easier to kind of become a cultural Christian, where if you're at a context like CU Boulder, I imagine you've got to be a lot more intentional about seeking mm-hmm. out Christian community and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that was a big part of it. As I look back on the CCU years, I, I think, <laughs> well, CCU is a funny place. And Chris, I'm sure a lot of your visitors are from CCU. I had a really good experience there. I won't speak for Chris, um, but I really loved it. But I think it's fair to say that a lot of people were at CCU because they wanted to play Frisbee and go snowboarding. Right. And so uh, it didn't require a sort of tenacity of Christian commitment in the same way that a place like CU Boulder might. So I think that's part of it. But I remember getting to CCU and um, I'd been raised in a Christian context. Of course, my dad was a pastor for many years. So that's all I had ever known. Um, And I I had kind of known that I, I might be interested in going into ministry or something even before getting into college. Um, had some interest in that, but I still remember how jarring and disorienting it was. Um, for as I remember going to my first Old Testament lecture, and um, the professor saying, "Now everybody knows that Moses didn't actually write the Pentateuch," and I thought, "What? <laughs> like that, that's news to me." Uh, but it turned out that there is some a German scholar by the name of Julius Wellhausen who had surmised that you had four different authors and editors working together the Pentateuch. And I remember being very disoriented by this because it undercut my confidence in the veracity and the truthfulness Mm. of scripture. And I had lots of other experiences like that. And so um, I think number one, one thing that can help with this is just naming it, naming it, uh, just I think part of the problem, and and I'll stop talking and throw to you here, Kyle, uh, even though I have further thoughts, part of the reason we're having, we're having all these crises of faith that I think are completely preventable and avoidable, but it's, I think students don't feel the freedom to talk about it. Hmm. There's a sort of shame around it or a taboo, or you're afraid that you're really going to stress your parents out Hmm. or grieve them. Hmm. If you say, oh, I'm not so sure about this, or I'm learning all this stuff Hmm. and I don't know what to make of it yet. I think you're much better off naming that, being patient, uh, just sort of confronting it for what it is rather than hiding it, because that's where Mm -hmm. I think you you really get into problems. And I think that our Christian communities can do a much better job of being safer places for for students to ask questions, Mm. right? I think there is a sort of pressure to conform uh, that can force these crises of faith underground where they fester and get worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So for me, um, one of, one of the biggest things that helped me through college was even before that was high school and growing up, um, growing up in a Christian home, growing up super involved in the church. Um, that right there was already like, I feel like wherever I was going to go to college, whether it was going to be CU Boulder or even like a CCU or something like that, that gave me the foundation of, you know, with, with my, my church back home, my, my family, um, kind of gave me that, that confidence that, that, you know, I can, I can go somewhere and I can, I can continue this. Like I can continue being strong in my faith and, and following after God. Now, like see, see you Boulder going there was 
extremely hard for even someone, you know, growing up in the Christian home, Christian, a Christian home and growing up in the church, everything like that. Um, I mean, there was, there, there's the temptations everywhere. There's also, you know, every professor that you ever have saying something against Christianity. Mm. Um, and so, so yeah, there was all that one, one of, one of the things that really helped me, um, that, that I can attribute to, to me continuing, um, my faith through, through college. And, and I went through, I went through like a lot of different stages in college. Um, one of them was, uh, previous friends that like went, uh, grew up in my home church going to CU Boulder, um, who are a couple of years older than me that once I got to CU Boulder, they automatically snatched me up and, t- and gra- and pulled me into their, um, into the local church up there. They were like, no, you're, you're pretty much, you're, you're coming to church. When are you coming? And that right there was something that, um, I, I may have saved me from the last, next like four years, but it was, um, it was just having those relationships and people who cared for you, um, enough to say, Hey, you're in college now. Like, but, but we know you and we know that, that you're a Christian, you're a believer. Like we want you to be a part of this church. And so, um, so that was a, that was a huge thing for me to get involved in the church. But for me, um, to continue that the next few years, um, not just getting involved in the church and just going and just going to church service. Like we, we had a college age ministry up there. Um, and so it was, it was great to go to those services on like a Tuesday night. Um, and that was pretty much it for the rest of the week. But, um, what really helped me was getting involved even deeper. And, um, once I met this core group of guys that we started to do, um, kind of a sort of like a discipleship group sort of thing that was, um, a small group of guys like that. Those were the guys that I had the rest of my college career, the rest of my years there that were super formative to my faith. Um, to keeping us all on, on the right track. That was going even deeper, not just going to like the, the college services, but really diving into um, an accountability group, a small group of guys that, um, that I ended up like living with the next few years. And so that was super important to me to get even more involved than just going to the, the college aged ministry up there. And so, um, so yeah, it was, I mean, CU is, it's such a, it it wasn't easy. Um, there were things that pretty much, you know, every turn there's, there's, there's something that, um, that really the devil's just going to use to use against you or, um, somebody to just have, have different viewpoints of you or, or, or a professor that's speaking things that, you know, go against everything that you've, <laughs> that you've learned growing up. Um, it, it, it was difficult, but it was, um, it was really the help of others, um, that really like helped me kind of stick to it. Yeah. It's Kyle. I think that's really good. Like one of the things when I did youth ministry, I would tell high school seniors. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe I told this to you when you were a high school senior, but I, I would have, yeah, maybe, I don't know. but <laughs> I would, I would tell high school seniors when you go to college, uh, whether Christian or non-Christian, but especially, a you know, a secular mm-hmm. school, um, in essence, you get to choose whether you're going to keep being Christian yeah. or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know theologically where that all works out, but, but mm-hmm. essentially you, you choose again to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are out of your 
parent's house, when you're away from mom and dad's mm-hmm. church, the church that you're familiar with, you kind of choose again. Um, and I think you made a really important statement where you said, man, these guys just brought me to church. Like, I think that the, the reason why I think a lot of, you know, high schoolers quote graduate from their faith mm-hmm. is because as much as they graduate from their faith, they graduate from the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, this is what I hear is that, oh yeah, I went to church then I went to college and I didn't really go to church and I just kind of stopped following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, because the mechanism for you to continue to pursue discipleship is the local church. Mm-hmm. Now this gets exacerbated when we start talking Christian college, mm-hmm. because as Ryan has already mentioned, uh, you show up to a CCU and you're in Christian Mecca, like you're in Christendom. Like yeah. you live with Christians. You have to go to chapel twice. A week. I mean, I was raised in the public school and I did not go to church as a kid. And so CCU, I walked into my first class and the first thing that the professor did was pray. Mm. And I'd never experienced anything like that. Mm. Like that was a, that was a game changer. It was a, it was a totally different thing. But what we see now and what I think I saw when I was at CCU, but also what I see with college students now at Christian schools is they think that that's a substitute for the church. Mm. They essentially treat college like their church. CCU becomes their church. Um, the problem with that is CCU is not a church. Mm. <laughs> Category mistake. That's right. I mean, it's it, and and no, no professor or or administrator at CCU would say, "Oh, we we're they they will push church yeah, on students." Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the student gets in their mind, well, I go to chapel twice a week and I mm-hmm. pray with my professors and I'm in a small group and in my stairwell or my my room roommates or whatever. So I don't need to belong to a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I think that the deconstruction, it's, it's almost like you were saying, Ryan, like your doubts can be pocketed mm-hmm. um, and fester, but also church experience, you pocket that and let that fester. I mean, it's a lot of what we saw in COVID, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the less you come to church, like the more you miss church, the less you miss church, mm-hmm. the more you miss it, the less you're like, what am I, why would I even do that? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, maybe Ryan, you could speak. I mean, we, we have many mutual friends who went to CCU, who were, who were the youth group kid, mm-hmm. you know, in high school, got to Christian college, stopped going to church and to this day, aren't going to church. Yeah, I think if you were to reduce it to one factor, and of of course this is complex and human stories are complex. Um, but as Chris said, we do, do we do have a lot of you know a lot of people we know um, from our Christian college days who are no longer in the faith, and almost universally, probably without exception, it's because they stopped going to church. That's the common denominator. Mm-hmm. There could be other reasons too. Um, I think that's exactly right, and and here. Chris mentioned this phrase at the top, and I think the the language of making your faith your own, I understand what it's getting at. And it is, of course, true in an important way that at the end of the day, everyone must make it, depending on your theology, of course, you know what I mean. Uh, everyone must make a decision about Jesus Christ by themselves. Nobody can make that decision for you. But in a very important sense, my faith is not mine. It is ours. Mm. Does that make sense? And so I have a personal faith, but really at this stage in my life, it's not really distinguishable from the communal faith of my 
my community of believers. And when you try to make your faith your own, one way that that can manifest is isolating yourself from the community, whether consciously or unconsciously, sort of drifting away. Mm. Um, Martin Luther has a beautiful quote that I love. He says, a Christian must have strong shoulders to bear his brother or sister when they cannot walk. And I think that's true. There are seasons where the church and its tradition in your community has to believe for you. And this is why the, the I mean, I can't stress important, uh, I can't stress enough how important it is for college students to be in church, especially as Chris said, if you're at a Christian college, um, because there is something there that can bear you through seasons of disorientation or, or doubt um, or just confusion. Hmm. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think when we talk about doubt and we talk about deconstruction and we talk about our foundations being shaken, um, and I I didn't have deep foundations theologically coming into school, but but CCU there were still, I mean, when we were at CCU the 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 common quote was i'm going through an existential crisis <laughs> i don't know if people still say that but i just remember lots of people who had read a few sentences of kierkegaard yeah they, they you know they <laughs> pretended to be a lot more intellectual than they really were um and you know drank ch hot chai tea and smoked clove cigarettes but um <laughs> but that is neither here nor there um i i think there's i think there's a real place for that kind of deconstructive work I think it's a natural thing that shows up at your college age. Mm -hmm. um, I really think that uh, that doing that examination, doing that work, doing that thought um, is a good and right practice in your late teens, early twenties. Mm -hmm. um, but I would, I would just, I would just really encourage um, in that work to do two things. Um, I would encourage you to keep your foot in the church and to keep your hand on the, on the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Now I say those two things because, uh, number one, uh, it's really, really easy to deconstruct something that you're not a part of. Mm. I mean, take anything you want to be a critic, write a blog, write a tweet, write a post. It's a lot harder to be critical and to, to, um, completely abandon hope in and lose all faith in something that you are actively a part of. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to poke holes at the church. Uh, listen, we can poke holes. At the, we poke holes at our own church all day long, but we're also committed to her at a level that is different than poking holes at something that you're not a part of. It's real easy to be a critic of something that you've got no skin in that game. So, so to our college students, I think you can ask those hard questions. Mm -hmm. Don't throw those in your pocket. Mm -hmm. We should talk about authorship. We should talk about the validity of the text. I think you will find sufficient answers, but make sure you're not drinking from just one well, like the well of your professors at CU Boulder. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are mm -hmm. other well-read, well-researched places that you need to spend your time, and the church will, will help keep you there. A good church will help keep you there. Mm -hmm. So I think you want to keep one foot in the church. Actually, I think you should keep both feet in the church, but you know, Let's not parse that out too far. Um, don't run from the church while you deconstruct your faith. Mm. Deconstruct your faith. You can do that. That's okay. Um, I think your faith, if you are in a Bible-believing, gospel-centered church, you will find yourself um, girded up by others in that. 
But then I would also say, keep one hand on the text, keep one hand on the scriptures because um, God's word is unique. It's not just a book. Um, and, and it is God speaking to us. It is God revealing himself through revelation to us. Um, and again, it's very easy to deconstruct the Bible when you're not reading the Bible. These were the two practices for me that I think were most formative in my college years. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally I started living with Ryan and he's, I, I remember week one, when we lived together, Ryan, you got up early in the morning and you opened a one year Bible. And I was like, what is that? And you said, this is a one-year Bible. I read this every day. And you were pretty clean cut and, and annoying. But um, but I but but now hear me as a as a new Christian, that was as formative as anything in my early following of Christ to begin the regular habit of staying in God's word. And then I I didn't do it the same way you did. You went to your home church that you grew up in all through college, but I found a church eventually and stood and stayed there and served there and connected there. And, and man, those two things, I think I will attribute to why I survived as a Christian in Christian college. Yeah. Um, I would echo what you said. And I think if you're a college student and you've got some questions or you're wondering about stuff or may even be struggling with doubt, I, I would encourage you to go read John chapter 20, which is the story of doubting Thomas because doubting Thomas gets a really bad rap. Right. He's known for one thing, which is doubting. Uh, it's like getting a nickname for your absolute lowest moment of your life that just sticks for 2000 years of church history. Yeah. yeah. What a bummer of a nickname. Yeah, totally. It's like fussy Ryan. You caught me on a day when I didn't like, didn't have a snack. Let's just put that in the, yeah. The <laughs> old, old fussy Ryan. Write that down in scripture. Thanks uh, man. But I would, I would actually suggest to you that Thomas is the model for how to handle your mm. doubts. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, it is true that he he is not so sure that Jesus has risen from the dead. But when Jesus appears to him, where is he? He's in the community. Mm. He hasn't stopped going. He's still meeting with the other disciples for worship and for prayer with his questions in tow. Mm. And another thing that's important about Thomas is he remains open to the truth. He's just not sure about it. So this is genuine doubt, not cynicism. Now, doubt and cynicism look similar, but cynicism is actually a posture that is closed to the possibility of encountering the truth. And there is nothing more unproductive and nothing easier than cynicism, mm -hmm. especially when you're a college student. Cynicism is so cool. Um, but it's ultimately the way to nihilism. And mm -hmm. what I like about Thomas is that he's not sure He's got real questions. He doesn't know that he believes, but he's going to wait with the community. And I'm convinced of this sooner or later. If you wait with the community, Jesus Christ mm -hmm. will make himself real, which he does to Thomas. Mm -hmm. um, so to echo Chris's advice, I would hang in there. Yeah. I'd hang in there, hang in the community, stay in the scriptures, try to maintain a prayer life, even when you don't feel like praying. And this is where the Psalms can be mm -hmm. really helpful or other liturgical prayers where other, other people can pray for you in seasons when you can't pray. Mm -hmm. um, but hang in there. Yeah. And I think this is, this is a misnomer and we've talked about this in sermons about doubt, but that like that the doubt is somehow a bad thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the doubt is like the opposite of faith. Like uh, you either have faith or you're mm -hmm. a doubter. And it's like, mm -hmm. um, I, I was just trying to look it up in my, 
on my scriptures, but um, in one of the Ascension narratives, I can't remember if it's Acts or one of the gospel narratives around the Ascension. Uh, I think the text says that Jesus is ascending into the clouds and they're watching, the disciples are watching him. And it says in one of the Ascension narratives, and some doubted. <laughs> Like they're watching the <laughs> physically resurrected yeah. Jesus yeah. ascend to the right hand of the Father, and some doubted. Yeah. Um, and so, one of the things I love—I can't remember which preacher I've heard this from—but uh, he said, "If you've got doubts, man, you'd make a great disciple. Mm-hmm. If you've got doubts, you would make a great disciple. Um, but a disciple picks up those doubts and follows Jesus." Yeah. Like brings the brings the doubts with them to Christ, as opposed to run the other direction and let those doubts, like Ryan has mm-hmm. said, fester and build up. So, so doubt is not the antith- antithesis of faith. Um, you can have great doubts. I mean, it's uh, the prayer. I believe help my unbelief. Yeah, you know. I was thinking the calling of uh, Nathaniel when you said that, yeah. where Peter and Andrew come up to him and they say, "We found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth," and he goes, "No." Nazareth sucks. The, <laughs> like the Messiah does not come from Nazareth, but I'm going to come see, right? Yeah, come and see. And he gets up and he comes and sees. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I say all these, I think this is a worthwhile mm-hmm. conversation because like we've talked about, we have high schoolers yep. who are going to be going to college mm-hmm. in a couple of years, year two. Um, and I think to prep yourself is, is one thing. Uh, we have college students in our churches and I think, um, Man, I think that the instruction would would have gone a long way to college students when we were there uh, to say, "Yeah, you can deconstruct, but but let's do it in community. Mm-hmm. Let's do it together." Um, and and then for for parents, I mean, I I meet parents all the time who are who are terrified mm-hmm. of their kids graduating from their faith, of their kids walking right. away from the mm-hmm. faith. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, you can be the one who 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 begins to prep your kids. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's okay to question things. You're going to have hard. Like I think we can. In a lot of ways, Ryan, we can prepare our kids to have a more, um, a more robust faith. A more, you know, what was the word you used? Uh, durable. Durable. Like I think that's a great word to say. Mm-hmm. And and to say, we are also creating environments that will build durability into yeah. those. Uh, we can have the hard conversations. We can talk about the difficult doctrines and the questionable, uh, you know, theologies or, uh, you know scholarship or things like that, like to, to be open to those things, I think is a meaningful thing. That's the community that I want to be a part of. That's the community I know Ryan wants to be a part of. Um, so yeah, those, that's, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. Just one last thing as you were talking, uh, listen, I get it as a parent, like I have kids, they're very young, but already sometimes I get, uh, I just get horrified at the thought that Mm -hmm. they might not love Jesus. Uh, and a sort of existential neuroses can take over. So I have to stop thinking about it. Um, on one level, I can't control that. Uh, I can make it easier or harder, but one thing parents can do, and I, and I can't stress this enough is you've got to find other adult figures who care about your kids and about their spiritual formation. And you've got to connect them. Because sometimes your parents, your kids will listen to someone else who is not you. Uh, and there's research that shows that one of the key indicators of what someone will sustain in the faith into adulthood is whether they had uh, adults who are not their parents meaningfully invested in their mm-hmm. faith. 
So that's another one. Yeah, right? that's uh, great. That parents can do. And also, um, this may be a little bit controversial, and I don't know what you would say, Chris, but I worked as a youth pastor too for a lot of years. Um, when your kid starts to doubt or act out or rebel a little bit, I think a natural impulse as a parent is to try to smother it and control it. And I actually think that that can be quite counterproductive too. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that, Chris, but um, I think it can actually be very helpful to give kids some space uh, rather than try to to make them Christian mm. even harder. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I think again, opening dialogue yeah. that yeah. it is not a sin to doubt, that it's not wrong to doubt that, and, and even as a like again to to pick up those doubts and walk with them in that don't freak out like and and hear me i get that existential worry um but to not freak out and and to realize that you know what even if we can remember our own journeys of doubt Mm -hmm. say ah gosh all of us have had those places even people with the gift of faith the spiritual gift of faith like a supernatural beliefism Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. still there's still questions they're still doubting Mm -hmm. so that's great Go read Psalm 73 also. Final note. Psalm 73. Read it. Read it. Write it down. Hey, that was a good conversation. I didn't I didn't think as a parent I was gonna get a lot out of that. So thank you. That was that was great. <laughs> yeah, we'll be taking an offering Parents. right as we end yeah. this recording. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh thank you, Ryan, again. Thank you, Chris, for being here. Uh yeah, college students, we love you. Uh, we hope you're doing well. Um, But thank you all for listening to this. We'll catch you next time, church.